Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Scoops. Corey Perry. Well, able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Jason, as we're, as we're recording this, <laughs> uh-huh. Anaheim has made a big move to bolster their offense. Okay, let me see. Who will not help us in any significant way? Did we get a new um, power play specialist? Uh, you could say that. Unfortunately, I'm not talking about the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, because oh, well, come on, you should have known right when I said that the, the I was gonna Anaheim say team made a sort. big move. I thought it would be like a coach, not not personnel wise. So <laughs> we 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 all know uh, Bob Murray is not making a big move, but uh, no, the, the the Anaheim Angels have apparently uh, added Anthony Rendon. Oh, and Rendon, so, that guy, yeah, that, guy that guy, that guy does stuff. those things and and does the stuff. Yeah, but, uh, the, you know, he's always involved. Hey, maybe with he can play hockey. Games. Who knows? <laughs> he's in he's in an off season right now. <laughs> so see, yeah, he's, he, he's got nothing he better to do. Puck? Can he put a puck in? I mean, he can hit home runs. Can he put a? He's right handed. He's right handed and can stand on his skates. Can we put him <laughs> in the circle on the power play and just feed him pucks at like waist height? And can he just smack them into the net? Can he, can he do that? If he can do that, then he he gets a spot on the power play in the Ovechkin yeah. spot. Now I'm interested because uh, I have no idea who this guy is or how it's important. Um, how much money did he sign for, if you know? And I just want to see how much more that is than anybody else on our team. I don't think 
it's been announced yet. I think they, I mean, I'm not following it too closely, but uh, just yeah. because literally <laughs> everybody on our Twitter uh, is either, you know, an Angels fan or yeah. a, fan, a fan of, of Anaheim sports in general. So I I hear he's signing with them. I don't know what it is, but it's probably a lot of money. It, it's baseball free agency is kind of the same as uh, as hockey free agency or any free agency where guys get silly money. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a pitch of the Angels we're going after, but yeah. uh, Yankees Cole got up. supposed to go to the Angels, and then he went and to the Yankees. And what, like 38 or $36 million a year or something yeah, like that? He's <laughs> Just got insanity. nine... Uh, Nine years at three hundred twenty-four million dollars, and everybody in the chat is saying that Rendon is has two hundred forty-five million dollars over seven years. <laughs> oh, oh Put that into perspective. Like a top NHL I mean, in this league would get seventy million over seven years. Like that's an well, elite player. That's like one of the best players in the league. You're getting this. You know, if you're a best player in the NHL, you're, that. <laughs> you're getting seventy-seven, maybe. Well, yes, I guess seventy-seven million over seven years, eleven million AAV. Like that means you're a top yeah. five, top ten player in this league. And uh, not to say like Rendon, I know a little bit about baseball. He's a very good player, and he's you know he's a, one of the better third basemen in the in the MLB. Uh, yeah. But he is making. Wait, was he on? Is he on? Was he on Colorado? And was he traded, or was he just signed no, as a free agent? So he was. He was on uh, Washington last year, the team that won. Uh, the World, the World Series, and uh, so then he was a free agent, so he just signed. Uh, but huh. he is he is a great player. But uh, to to think that a, a guy who's not even the best in his uh, position in 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 his yeah. sport is getting paid two hundred forty five million dollars over seven years, and to be the best player in the NHL, uh, you're making what? What is that? What is seventy seven on that? Like a quarter of that? Oh. And I I I'd wager hockey players are better athletes, but uh, yeah, I thought the Angels' problems was always pitching um, yeah, and, 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 and offense I guess sometimes I mean even though they got trout and all that fun stuff it's just trout. I used to, I used to follow baseball I used to follow angels a little bit and then it's just it's so boring Brett just said you guys aren't going anywhere right uh, need some good news one of his favorite youtubers are being dropped from from their company no we're not leaving We've maybe been inconsistent, but we're we're sticking around. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy said, "Yeah, you guys uh, are stuck with us." Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We're sorry we're sticking around. Uh, uh, Jimmy said, "Garrett Cole gets a check for three million dollars every two months for nine years." Uh, All of a sudden, tomorrow, Garrett Cole announces that he has a career-ending injury and he's going to uh-huh. sit back and, and he doesn't have to pitch, money. He doesn't have to pitch a good game for the rest of his life, and he's he's. His great uh, great great grandkids are set up for life. So he does have to live in New York, though. Eh. Well, I'm sure he could actually live outside of New York and then fly a private helicopter into every game. And <laughs> the practice. punishment is to make three million dollars every two months for nine years. You have to live in New Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that should be like mandatory. Like instead of the luxury tax, there's like a New York tax. Like, listen, if you play for the Yankees, you got to live over here in uh, the armpit of America. All right. Well, let's uh, let's while we're talking about baseball, <laughs> and that's our baseball segment. Thank you, everyone. Yep. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, I guess that's the show then. Uh, we'll. Uh, yep. Good night. It's been great. We'll be back when later. the Angels sign somebody else. No. Um, yes. So the Ducks had two games over since our last show. Uh, they played Winnipeg and they played Minnesota. Uh, lost three two to the Jets. Won a three two in a shootout to the Wild. Uh, we'll start. Uh, we'll start with the Winnipeg game. Kind of brief breakdown of that. Um, 
not a great performance, but better than the last time they played the Jets, right? It was yeah. a, a bit of a closer game. <laughs> Scored a goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 3 nothing loss, I think, to the Jets last time, right? And then now 3-2 yeah. uh, on the road for this one, too. So it's always tough going into Winnipeg and, and trying to get a win. And it was a, it was a weird time, too. Wasn't this like a 4, a 1 p.m. start for you? Or was that, I think it was, right? No, I think it was. I mean, wait, what, what day was it on? Was that the Washington game that was a weird start? One of the one of the last two games before this was a weird start. Yeah, um, let me look up real quick. Uh, the Washington game. Oh, it's not going to tell me what time it was on. Sure, let's go with that. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, go with that. But yeah, uh, well, I mean, it's it's our first uh, first visit into uh, Canada this whole season. And uh, I was talking to you earlier about it. We don't even go back to Canada until uh, February. So we don't don't visit Canada a whole lot this year. I thought they'd been already. No, that's the first. Yeah, I guess the the other Winnipeg game was in Anaheim. Well, um, yeah, trips to Canada never go well for the Ducks lately, especially when I go and I guess when Pat goes. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) went to the the last – well, actually, last year's Leafs uh, Ducks Leafs game was the first game I went to see the Ducks in Toronto for I think three years. But every time before that, they've they've always lost. Every time I've seen them play in Toronto, they always lose, and they come once yeah. a year. So it's it's never good. Even when Toronto was bad, the Ducks yeah. just always seem to struggle to win uh, in Toronto. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Ottawa and. Uh, Montreal have been a little bit better to them, but Toronto always just seems to be a tough one. And I guess Winnipeg, as of late, I mean, we know Winnipeg's a, t- a tough place to play, but they they made a they made an effort out of it. But there were some noteworthy points from that game. Uh, Getzlaff fought Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, that was that was kind of a weird one. I don't know what Ehlers was doing on that one because there was a little bit of a hit from Getzlaff, you know, and and, uh, and maybe didn't like it, but. Uh, for the most part, whenever Getzloff does that, people just kind of see that it's Getzloff and usually let it slide and know that it's not, usually it's not malicious or anything like that. But I think he's just like, damn it, that hurt. He slashed him and it was just, it still hurt. So he wanted to fight him for it. And yeah, ill advised. <laughs> Getzloff's still a, a big boy that's still willing to drop it. And, uh, and you know he was he was feisty in the the game against Washington, and so it was uh, it was still good to see him kind of get in there and, and go and um, you know do what uh, Getsy used to do. But uh, I always get a little bit more amped when he's willing to, to drop the gloves and go after uh, you know somebody else and uh, you know win that fight and did it handily. So uh, I don't know if you ever caught it. They had you know you'll have the uh, the Ducks announcers, but they also have the Winnipeg announcers. Mm-hmm. The Winnipeg guys were just going about how awesome. Uh, Ellers did in that, like he's like, oh, he's holding his own. <laughs> oh, he almost landed that one. Oh, Getzloff got lucky on that. It was. I listened to it. and I was like, oh my god, we're watching the same fight here. <laughs> it was just. It was funny to hear the Homer side on their side. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I mean, I, I'm surprised Ellers didn't get mauled. I mean, Getzloff isn't a great fighter. He's just a big guy. Uh, and Ehlers is kind of small, so I guess a bit surprising he held his own there. What is this now, three games in a row or four games in a row the Ducks have had a fight? Because they fought in Washington, they fought in Winnipeg, and they fought uh, last night uh, against Minnesota. I can't oh. remember if they fought in the first game in, on December 2nd or not. No, from what I I mean, that one was a boring game, I think, so I, I don't remember hearing about a fight, but... Sure would be good if Pat ever got on the podcast. He could let us know he was at that game. <laughs> but yeah. he's not coming. 
<laughs> but yeah, but I like it. I I like when those fights are kind of happening, and when they're when they're justified or you know someone's willing to do it. I I like when the ducks kind of have that edge to them. I feel like it gets everyone a little bit more engaged versus them really trying to you know oh hey let's x's and o's let's you know try and do all the the offense and try to look pretty and that sort of deal every now and again just just get get the the blood flowing and get into the game a little bit sometimes i notice we lack that a little bit you know across the board uh you know so a few good hits you know a, a punch thrown here and there that the team really kind of seems to come to life a little bit more makes the games more fun to watch looks like we've been uh, gifted an emoji that looks identical to pat in our chat <laughs> really <laughs> well dave just dave just is it a put giant chat. it just <laughs> <laughs> it looks like pat I, I just i don't know what to tell you it looks like pat so we uh, got to, yeah. i'll take it but up, <laughs> anyway I, I had to i had to bring that up but uh anyway the, the last night the ducks uh, took on the minnesota wild bruce boudreau uh making a an, i guess not his return but another appearance uh coach in the Minnesota Wild, which is surprising that he stuck around. The Wild have turned things around, and, and they're actually playing some decent hockey right now. So yep. Boudreaux's job is is safe for now, despite, I mean, almost every coach getting fired in this league. Was that five coaches now out of uh, 31 teams who've, who've seen uh, seen themselves get canned this year? But um, yeah. Bruce, he's safe for now, but the Ducks end up winning this one uh, 3-2 in a shootout after leading 2 nothing and letting the Wild kind of squeak back into this one. Um, mm-hmm. Why don't we even start with this one? I guess Josh Manson returned to the lineup yep. his first game back, uh, playing with jo- uh, with with Hampus Lindholm. Mm-hmm. Almost said Josh Lindholm. That's uh, that's how long <laughs> that's how long both of them have been on the lineup for. We're just making up names of guys who yeah. are. I mean, there could be a Josh Lindholm who's played for the Ducks this season. The, the amount of <laughs> the amount of injuries we've had on the blue line, who knows? But yeah, um, yeah and then uh, Sam Steele was scratched, so Sam Carrick. Mm-hmm. Coming into the lineup, we talked about this on the last podcast that we'd likely see Sam Carrick jump in. Did not expect him to just take Sam Steele's spot in center, uh, Ricard uh, Raquel and Jakob Silverberg, but he looked not bad. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree, and uh, I would. There's a couple of things Sam Steele did um, in uh, the the Winnipeg game where just. It's the same thing with with most of the younger players, and we've talked about it before. It's just you know little things, and they're just kind of either mishandling or um, puck protection, like making the smart plays when they have the puck. And sometimes uh, Sam uh, wasn't quite doing that uh, in the uh, Winnipeg game at certain times. I, I kind of just I happened to notice it. I didn't really kind of go like, oh, that's you know that's really bad. It was just something like, oh, it's a little bit off, and even. Um, uh, Bob Murray was, you know, talking a little bit about, uh, you know, moving guys in and out of the lineup uh, when he was talking about uh, Josh Manson coming back and now with Richie being out for a significant amount of time. Um, you know, he goes, you know, we, we watch the younger players and see what they do. And then we kind of really just if there's things that we don't like uh, in their game, we just kind of we want to take them out before they start losing confidence you know, and start kind of, you know, putting them back in the AHL, say, hey, work on this, get this down. This is what we've noticed over the last little times. Just just work on that without the pressure of being on the NHL team, and then we'll bring you back and, you know, let you have another go at it. So, you know, like I said, it's you know, it's good to, to pull out for a little bit and just look at the yeah. game you know, from a different perspective and see what works. And, you know, so, uh, Carrick, Deserved his uh, his shot, and he was kind of brought in because there's possibility of those injuries and things like that. So, 
Yeah, it, it was kind of writing on the wall for for Sam Steele. I, we forgot to mention it, but in the in the Winnipeg game, he was benched for most of the third period too. So it kind of kind of felt like this was going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the surprising part was see, seeing Sam Carrick jump into the top six. Usually, he's a guy who'd fill in in the bottom six, but mm-hmm. uh, and you, you you would assume that it would have been uh, Henrique and Getzlaff as one two. Uh, but yeah. the the pairing of, of, of Henrique specifically with Andre Kasha and now Maxim Comtois. Uh, kind of slotting in on that line that's something they've seen before and i think the familiarity there uh, they wanted to try and keep that chemistry going and ricard raquel and jacob silverberg no matter who centered them this year whether it's been isaac linderstrom or sam Steele or adam henrique and now sam carrick doesn't really matter because they've just been good as a duo all year so it gives the ducks uh, that flexibility to just i don't want to say just throw a guy down the middle because sam that you know sam Carrick deserves a little bit more credit than that and the, the way yeah. he played i thought he had a pretty good game and, and looked dangerous at times probably should have had a goal he got stopped i think twice uh in alone by capital kakinen but yeah. those two players i mean silverberg and, and raquel i think you could throw getzlaff in the mix there but uh, definitely the, the two swedes have been probably two of the ducks best players this year yeah and it's weird the ducks always kind of have that they always got two guys on any given line that tend to work and then you rotate whoever the other person is and whether it's you know uh korea solani or then you have you know gets off and pair there's just you know at least with korea Solani, there was ruching that kind of it all kind of worked out but it was just uh yeah. you know and then now with raquel and silverberg it's kind of like you, know, you can rotate whoever and those guys are going to kind of do what they're going to do anyways so they've definitely been good this uh, season yeah and, but it was it was nice to see uh, to see Carrick get in there and play well. I mean, he get gets rewarded for for being arguably San Diego's most valuable player this year. So it is nice to see him get in there and and have a good performance. Um, I I want to get your opinion on John Gibson because ah. yeah, the, the tough outing in a way for him. Uh, I think primarily because of that um, that Hartman goal, the first goal mm-hmm. for the Minnesota Wild. It was a tough <laughs> shot. Yeah. One you know he's gonna want to to want to get back. He kind of whiffed on it a bit. It was dipping and spinning. It was kind of a knuckle shot, and, and tough one maybe to to pick up and read. Uh, but then the second goal too was was one that you know I don't know if he'd want it back because it is tough to kind of move over and and, and kind of I guess close in on that angle from where Donato shot the puck from. You know not maybe not his best performance, but I'd love to hear your opinion on that. No, I still thought he had uh, a solid game uh, in that Minnesota game. Uh, he's definitely going to want that first one back, but it's not that the puck was was dipping or you know was fluttering or anything. I mean, the the shot was was pretty steady. It was just in a sweet spot where it was at the bottom of a blocker or the top of the pad, and he didn't have enough confidence that it was going to hit the top of the pad that it would go slightly over that. So he kind of reached with the blocker, but when he did, he caught just kind of the bottom part of it, which caused it to drop down, hit the top of the pad, and then kind of deflect back towards the net. And you can see he tries to move on it, and it just where it hit was just in that sweet spot. If he had had that blocker down maybe a little bit more, he could have directed it towards the corner. I think he was going to do it. It wasn't like it surprised him or anything. It was just kind of putting in a decent enough spot and he just probably misplayed a little bit definitely wants it back but those ones those will happen every now and again um so at least they didn't come back to you know be a you know hugely significant goal where they lost two points or something out of it uh the other one that one's tough it starts on the left side goes behind the net he drops down uh to to cover everything down low has to go up against the the post on a stick side and he's looking back 
uh, the play happening, and it's a quick pass out. When you're down and out like that, covering down low, you can't really start looking too much at what's happening over there when this guy's got it on his forehand because he can pass it anywhere. you got to pay attention to what he's doing. You rely a little bit on your defense to kind of guard guys who might be open or receive a pass. And um, I can't think of who the who it was who who got the puck. Uh, but what he did is he, he he got it and he fired it right away. Yeah, and right. so there was an opening. Yeah. That I, yeah, so there, there was an opening just over Gibby's shoulder short side, but it was in tight, up high. It was a good shot, quick. If he had held on to it, Gibby gets up higher and maybe takes it away, but it was just so quick, and Gibby had to track where it was, and by the time he tracked where it was, the shot was already off, the guy's stick. So at that point, you're just like, oh, I hope it hits me. It's in tight. Hopefully it does, but it got put in a good spot. I don't really blame Gibson on that one. I'd rather see somebody tie up the stick or be somewhere in the vicinity of maybe breaking up that pass. But um, So not not a bad game, in my opinion, on, on what he did there. And it's also tough when you only face one shot in the first like half of a game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to get a feel for where the puck is. <laughs> At one point, shots were 19 to 1, and then the Wild <laughs> got two shots after. Like Their second shot was someone dumped it in on Gibby from their own from the wild zone end and uh, the, the whoever's counting the shots just decided to say okay that's a shot on goal we're gonna count that felt, one. felt bad a little bit and then the, uh. the second one was one that it, it missed the net and then gibby kind of just gloved it down and they they called it uh they called that the that's third the shot. shot on goal so i felt like they were feeling sorry for the ducks at that point but yeah shots shots like halfway through the oh it felt bad they felt bad for the minnesota first, i mean they're, they're being they're being horrifically outshot yeah. in their building it's like yeah we'll just start counting anything the fans were cheering uh, any shot or any shot attempt they got at one point. Brox cheer is what yeah. we call that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. You did something. Congratulations. Which is surprising. <laughs> the, the Wild, it's not like the Wild have been a bad team at home. Their home record oh. going into last night was 7 1 and 2. And that first, that regulation loss came in their first home, in their home opener. So they've been yeah. undefeated in regulation still since that home opener loss. You're now 7-0 and 3. So I, I, I get it. I can understand. I mean, getting outshot 19-1, to the, the fans have all the right in the world to kind of get on the players there. But they've been a good home team, right? So, like, it, it's tough to get on them. And plus, they were only down 2-1-0 no, and 2 nothing, right? Yeah. So, it's, I mean, if you were down 4 nothing and you're getting outshot, like, 20-1, to sure. I felt like they jumped on, on the wild a bit early there. Yeah, that, you know, that's the, the state of hockey, so they can do whatever they want. But, uh, yeah, I mean, no, they, I mean they, yeah. it, the other thing is, yeah, uh, the, this always tends to happen to the home team whenever they have, like, a ceremony prior to the game, and they were honoring Miko Koivu playing a 1,000 games. I don't know. Whenever the Ducks have that, they always start really bad to begin with. It never works out in the home team's favor, I've noticed. So maybe that was just it, just kind of getting it going. It didn't help that... Uh, was it? Didn't Eric Stahl get completely demolished That's by the what linesman? That's I wanted to bring up too. It's like Eric That's the Stahl best hit of the game. got decked by the linesman. A legal hit because the linesman left his feet. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's I, being I reviewed it by the shoulder or a concussion, shoulders. but it looked like a shoulder. That was brutal. Like I mean, again, I, I want to say yeah. the linesman needs to get out of the way there. She probably should have. He's on. He's on the board. He tried. Tried well, everything he, he tried. could. Yeah, he tried. <laughs> like and, and the hit was coming, it and the linesman was like, "I got nowhere to go. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna get up high, and you know, just you know, try and brace myself. Because sometimes they'll jump up and try and hold on to the glass up high if they can. Or at least I've seen refs do that. Um, but yeah, that was just 
the hit was coming. The ref was there. There was no way for him to get out of the way without jumping into the middle of the ice. And who knows what happens at that point. So their job is to stay on the boards as best they can. But yeah, yeah it's just weird. He avoids the hit kind of, but then ends up going right into linesman and just <laughs> demolished. <laughs> yeah. And at that point uh, with Koivu and Stahl both out, the Wilds' like, number one defenseman was Victor Rask, I think, for most of that game. Because no Mikel Granlin, because they traded him away. So uh, their center depth is, is, is pretty weak right now. Ducks really couldn't take advantage of that, to be honest. I thought that uh, with him going out, um, I mean, even uh, Ehlers and Hayward kind of mentioned that uh, with those two out of the lineup, the Ducks should be able to at least dominate down the middle with having a fully healthy, you would presume, with yeah. Getzlaff and, and Adam Henrique and I guess to some extent Sam Carrick and, and Derek Grant as well, but they they really couldn't. Uh, one guy I want to talk about because he did make his return and we uh, kind of prefaced it in our last show was Josh Manson. Returns mm-hmm. against the Minnesota Wild, back with his running mate Hampus Lindholm, and uh, they were dominant. Running mate, I like that, Twenty twenty. That is, yeah, that's that's <laughs> definitely a Ehlers that's that's an an alerism. I guarantee an alerism. Uh, is, yeah. I feel like I've heard <laughs> it's that. It's contagious. Got, it no, was the no, first thing that came to my mind. I was like, I've heard this somewhere. Definitely <laughs> a, an alerism thing for sure. But uh, anyway, he was back with Lindholm. They played just over twenty minutes together. I think uh, I think that was for the at even strength. Maybe it was throughout the entire game. But anyway, uh, 61.29, uh, four percentage. So they controlled shot attempts, expected yeah. goals of over 67%. And big one for me, no high danger chances against. So mm. they're back. I know it's early. It's one game, but they're back to being their, their best defensively being the shutdown pairing for the ducks playing all the important minutes. And, uh, that's what we wanted to see. That's what we were waiting for is to see Josh uh, back with Hampus Lindholm and, uh, them doing their thing. That's what the ducks need is that pairing to be at its best. Yeah. And I also think it helped out a lot on defense, uh, or sorry, not on defense, but obviously on defense, but on the penalty kill, um, because it's kind of almost a little bit of mirror image of what was going on in the Winnipeg game where we're down the last five minutes or so and we take a penalty. And within 30 seconds of taking that penalty, we give up what eventually is the game-winning goal to uh, Shifley. Uh, And in this one, same thing. Penalty late in the game where the momentum could have easily swung the rest of the way to Minnesota. And then you get a sniff. And for most of the penalty-killing effort that Josh Manson was in there, there wasn't much that Minnesota was, was able to do. There was a lot of get the puck out close gaps you know make smart decisions with it when they had it and uh it wasn't nearly as much uh panic or running around that i noticed uh when manson was in there so i think it brings a little bit more of that calming element just someone who's got enough games enough experience under his belt to know what to do and when to do it and when we're asking brunson to do it or delzato to do it or uh, you know, one of the kids or Larson or Mahura to try and do something like that or Gooley. It just, you know, there's there's a little bit of uneasiness on their end that kind of permeates throughout the entire penalty killing uh, core. So it's good to kind of have that solidified and, and tapered down that kind of helps us out there, I thought. Yeah, and uh, Maxime Comtois also, I, I think this was his first game, right, since yep. getting called up because he was scratched for the other one. So he got into his first game. I don't want to say he looked bad, but he wasn't great for most of the uh, game. I'll say it. He, he wasn't good. He yeah, really wasn't, wasn't during the game. wasn't noticeable in a good way at least. I mean, 
again. <laughs> that one time I did notice him is when he, he did a great forecheck, got it away, started going to the corner, and then just fell. <laughs> and then tried to play, tried to try to like knock it away, and they couldn't quite reach it. I was just like, dude, whenever someone does that, I always yell sniper in the building because it just looks like they shot down for no reason. There's whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I noticed him on a couple of plays. You know, once again, we talked a little bit about it. The uh, um, uh, decisions with the puck and, uh, you know, good decisions with the puck. And a lot of times he kind of had it and he was just, he was kind of dangling, let people get closer to him um, and, and, you know, bobbled some plays here and there. And it's just, uh, wasn't good, good decision making for the most part from what I saw. Yeah. And I, I think that's where, I mean, we, we bring up analytics a lot. And I think if you just looked at the analytics for come to one this game, you would have probably thought he had a good game. Uh, he was one of the, I think, Ducks top five players when it came to, to shot attempts and Corsi four percentage and, and other, you know, the rest of his underlying numbers were pretty good. But I just think, again, his decision making, which is something you, you generally see from watching the game, didn't was was not great. And, and I think you got to kind of you know link the two here and, and, and the analytics and, and the eye test to, to kind of see what type of game Comtois had. It wasn't an awful game by any means. I, I think he played solid it for the most part but just some of the decisions he made and and i guess some of the decisions he didn't make uh, on the offensive side of the puck uh weren't great but he ended up being the hero scored the shootout winner was a pretty nice move um so in the end uh i guess he was never going to be the goat but he goes from being the (laughs) proverbial goat to the to the hero and getting the shootout winner yeah, yeah, and uh, not to uh, uh, you know just ignore what Raquel did because I mean without Raquel's goal, even that uh, come to a goal doesn't actually become the game winner. So um, Gibby did a good job too. Um, always going to give love to the goalies, but I liked Raquel's move too. He just kind of outweighed him, waited for the goalie to go down, roofed it. Same thing that come to did. He just he made it look a lot cleaner and a lot nicer. So especially when you go backhand like that. Yeah, and it would be nice to, to see him consistently get on the score sheet. I think Max Jones, uh, Garrett had tweeted, says that Max Jones scored for San Diego tonight. So it's nice to see him uh, getting some goals down there. But we need to, to see either Comtois or Jones or even Steele and Terry to the same extent uh, putting the puck in the back of the net on a consistent basis for the Ducks because none of them have so yeah. far this season. So even though it's a shootout goal and it doesn't count on his totals, hopefully that's a bit of a confidence booster for, for Comtois, his first shootout attempt. So just being given the opportunity, especially not you know after not playing a great game, to kind of be the hero and play the hero in that game. I know it's, you know, kind of cliche yeah. to say that that's going to be a confidence booster, but you can yeah. hope you can, you know, build some momentum at least off a, off a big win and, and, you know, having a hand in that win and, and getting it in the shootout can hopefully lead to good things for, for Maxime. Yeah, I hope. I just, I'd rather him just be consistent and, like I said, make make better decisions. And who knows, a first game back in a long time, you know, sometimes it takes a second to jump back up to that speed and kind of get it going. So might be a little bit overthinking or either that or just, you know, a little bit of, uh, well, I had more time when I was playing you know, in the AHL now, you know, I gotta, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta make decisions quicker and, you know, go off of instinct, but he's got good instinct. They'll be there. Just take a little bit more time. Yeah. I mean, we, we, they're young and it's mm-hmm. still technically Maxim come to his rookie season. And especially for all four of the young players we've, we've mentioned uh, many podcasts so far this year, it's going to take <laughs> some time. So, yeah. but the, you know, we've, we've got other guys on the way too. And we, we talked about this a little bit in the last show and uh, some of the ducks players are going 
to World Junior Camps. Uh, U.S. finally announced their camp on Monday, so we can kind of talk about the four players who could be going to the World Juniors for Anaheim. Uh, Trevor Zegris and Trevor Yannicky were uh, are named to uh, USA camp. Uh, Blake McLaughlin was not, and neither was uh, Henry Thrun. I was a bit surprised about Thrun, not so much about Blake McLaughlin because he's kind of struggled a bit this year. But... Uh. Zegris was is pretty much a lock as we can lock, get. Yeah. He's one of four freshmen right now to average over a point per game. Um, Cole Caulfield's another, and then uh, two other players who were drafted also in uh, 2019. Uh, I forget. One of them plays for Harvard. I can't remember the other kid. And then uh, <laughs> So, I mean, right now, uh, Trevor Zegris is averaging more points per game than Alex Turcotte, who was the uh, the Kings' fifth overall Kings, pick. Yeah. So that's uh, – Nice little icing on the cake. I know it's early, but <laughs> but either way, he was a lock pretty much for Team USA. And I know this is camp. This isn't the team yet. You would have to assume Trevor Zegers is still a lock for the team. Nice to see uh, Yannicky get at least in camp. We'll have to see whether that translates to him making the team or not, and he'll likely be a role player for the U.S. if he does. But uh, he's playing for a really strong program in Notre Dame, and uh, he's contributing. Uh, he's, I think he was yeah. second second in goals on their team and playing third-line minutes. Third line, right, yeah. So not bad for, for a guy. I think he was drafted in the fifth round uh, out of the USHL. So it's uh, a big step to go from that league up into the NCAA, especially for you know, a program uh, as big as Notre Dame and, and contribute, and hopefully hopefully we see both of them. I mean, obviously the big guy we want to see for the U.S. is, is Trevor Zegers, yeah. but it would nice it would be nice to see another guy there because we're used to seeing at least, you know, three, four to five prospects for the Ducks at this tournament, and uh, we might only see three if Yannicky doesn't uh-huh. make it this year, so it would be nice to see at least a fourth. Yeah. Um, then who, who are the other ones? Yeah, Lucas Dostal. We talked about him on the last show in depth about him. Potentially, uh, yeah, Czech, the, Czech Republic, right? Go yeah, yeah, yeah. Potentially when he, uh, when he could make uh, his debut for the Ducks in the, in the coming seasons. But uh, he'll be the starting goaltender for the Czech Republic again. I think he's pretty much a lock. I don't see, uh, you know, I don't see him not making it out of, out of their camp. And then Benoit Olivier Grew uh, is uh, at Team Canada's camp, and Braden Tracy was the big. Uh, the big uh, non, uh, yeah, I guess snub the the non add yeah. to that team and uh, not making it. So a bit surprising there, but the Ducks will at least have three. I would I would assume in Zegris, Dossel, and, and Grew, and and you know the U.S., Canada, and Czech. I think all have uh, title aspirations, especially because the Czech Republic uh, are playing at home. Though the World Juniors this year are in, in the Czech Republic, so it'll be a big uh, big weight on Lucas Dostal's shoulders to uh, to take the home team t- to gold. But I mean, the, the way he's been playing, we talked about this on the last show. You know, the way he's been playing in, in a men's league, a top men's league in the world. You know, the the Liga in Finland is is arguably either the second or third best league outside the NHL. So the fact that he's a 19-year-old and putting up like almost a 930 save percentage and a goals against average under <laughs> one or under two uh, is pretty remarkable. Yeah. No, no, you get anywhere close to nine 930 in any league. That's that's damn impressive. So that's, that's something to take notice of. Yeah, and uh, the tournament's on Boxing Day. I know that's your favorite uh, Canadian Oh, is that, is that where uh, you guys buy stuff, put them in boxes, and then <laughs> ship them to your prime minister or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly okay. that, 100%. That's it. exactly what happens. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know my December, camera, right? December 26th for, for most of our viewers is uh, is Boxing Day, and that's when the World Juniors start. So uh, oh, hopefully, oh, oh, uh, hey, oh, brand new, yeah. brand new update. What? Is it? Mike, it's not... Mike Trout really likes that signing. 
Okay, as you were. Thanks. All right, cool. <laughs> I, I assumed it was baseball. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But, he gave uh, it a thumbs up. How much to get Mike Trout to come play hockey? I feel like he could do it. He seems like he's a good enough athlete. He seems like one of those people that can just do whatever, wherever, whenever. <laughs> he, feel, he seems like one of those guys who could just pick up a sport and, and play it pretty it's well. Gallant. I'm not going to say, like, he, I'm not pulling a Jalen Ramsey here and saying, Oh, if you, uh, give me three weeks and I'll play in the NHL. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> NHL I'm not saying he's NHL caliber, but I mean, yeah, uh, you put him in, you'd be like, all right, it didn't take him that long, and he's 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 pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, give him give him you know five years, uh, yeah. or if just you know it changed his route as a kid to play hockey instead of uh, of baseball. He seems like a type of guy who could who could probably. Mike Trout's maybe... too nice to be a hockey player, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's I think, uh, I think he's one nice of the too. most laid back superstar athletes in the world you don't hear much about him but he he's arguably the face of the mlb and yeah. uh he's kind of a bro yeah he is yeah like, like, like if tim, you ever like you're talking he's just like you know what i mean when tim, uh, tim, tim tebow's like tim, uber religious type. now yeah i mean like how like tebow was kind of like laid back and like got super famous and was kind of laid back now he's like a He's like a sports center guy now, and he's and he's in baseball. I think he was playing for like the Mets. Oh uh, yeah, well he tried he tried for like yeah for one of the teams, and I don't think it worked out <laughs> very well to, for him. He tried to pull like a Michael Jordan trying to yeah, switch over to baseball. Yeah. I can play, and play anywhere. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird because Mike Trout's from New Jersey, but he's he's like totally a California guy. So <laughs> hockey has to be one of those sports where you can never do that. Like you, guys. What didn't Bo Bo Jackson went from football to baseball? It always seems like baseball is like everybody's second sport, right? <laughs> like all yeah. these guys go. Like Michael Jordan went from because you don't have to be a real big athlete to the white. He's got to be good at hitting the ball. <laughs> yeah, Bo Jackson went from the NFL to baseball. T- Tim Tebow went from the NFL to baseball. Yeah, Deion uh, Sanders he did football yeah, and baseball. Russell Wilson apparently like he was drafted by the Texas Rangers, so <laughs> he he can also play football and baseball. That seems to be like the second sport. I feel like there's like no other sport you could do that with like i don't think you could go you can't, get, from, you can't go hockey and basketball well I, I feel like you know everybody says lebron james could play the in the nfl i feel like that's true i feel like yeah you, i feel like you could you could if you're like big enough and like athletic enough i feel like you could go from a sport to the nfl uh and i feel like you could probably the the going to the nba is a bit different but i feel like hockey's the only one where you you, you just can't like because you're athletic, you could just go into hockey. No, like, I feel skate. like it's the only sport. Yeah, it's the only sport you you can't do that with. But even yeah, even it. even if you could skate, I just mean like the technical ability involved in it. I I just don't think you can just like drop another sport and pick it up just because you're athletic. Yeah, no, ho- hockey comes. Uh, it's a lot of uh, experience and seeing different plays over and over and tendencies and things like that you've got you've just got a, a, a fortunately i mean like there's the, the freaks of the world that are just naturally unbelievable at hockey but even they had to go through it as kids all the way up to where they are now but you know if those who are not innately gifted with hockey you, you got to practice you got to see plays happen you got to see tendencies and things and it just takes years of experience before you actually get decent where it becomes almost second nature to you so Shane's pointing out that uh, Michael Jordan was terrible at baseball. Yeah, I never said he was a good Absolutely. baseball player, but the fact that he was able to walk into like a double A, triple A team and like not, even though he's not playing great, to like actually stick around the team and not be the absolute worst player on there, 
that's that's saying something about the training. I only saw him. I only saw him play a baseball game one time, and then after that, he helped the Looney Tunes uh, beat those uh, um, aliens <laughs> for uh, intergalactic peace I or something the one like that. that. The, the second one's coming out with LeBron James, and it's apparently got like a ton of NBA players. I feel like it's gonna be horrible. Yeah, God, absolutely. That that I mean, might just do Kazam too or whatever that Shaq one was. Or Shazam, oh, or I don't know what it's no, It was Shaq Fu. Was that a movie? Shaq Fu. Yeah. No, I think that was video game. Maybe I don't know. Shaq has like everything. It's, it's ridiculous. Anyway, let's yeah. let's get back. Let's get back to ducks hockey. We're we're going off for it. Uh, Garrett asked us a question uh, for today's show. Uh, do you think Shore gets traded? Um, I I would assume at any point this season, but before the trade deadline. Then he just score. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah high in streak. the Winnipeg game, I think he scored. Yeah. In the high streak. Why would you trade him now? Yeah, yeah, that was first of the year. <laughs> um, there's a lot of potential forward trades that could happen. Shore could be one. Uh, Sprong could be another one. Um, Sprong's a little bit younger, but I mean, the fact they haven't even tried to call him up, uh, it seems like he's been passed on the depth chart for the most part, and they're. They're fine with either letting him ferment down there, or ultimately making him more of a trade option. I just I don't know who you trade Shore for that all of a sudden impacts the Ducks any better. Um, fifth, fifth round pick, fourth round if you're lucky. Like at this point, right? Like why not? The more draft picks you can add, the more players you can get in the system now, the better. You know, the, the, I mean, I trust the the. The, uh, the Ducks drafting ability to get a serviceable player in the fourth or fifth, fifth round. We were just talking about Trevor Yannicky possibly mm-hmm. making uh, the World Juniors for the U.S. He's a fifth-round pick, and Blake McLaughlin, I think, is a, a third-round pick. Um, and, and he made the, the U.S. team last year and, and has been, uh, you know, when we had um, the draft analyst on the show, he was talking about how Blake McLaughlin was a steal. So if you can get, you know, a fourth or a fifth-round pick for, for Devin Shore, and right now you're scratching him some games and he's in and out of the lineup. Why not? I mean, the Ducks are missing a fourth-round pick, I think, this year. So they, they have a pick in every round except the fourth. Pick something up. We talked about trading Eric Goodbranson. Trade him for some picks if you can, whatever the pick is that you can get. Same goes yeah. for maybe some other depth players for the Ducks that uh, they might he's not He's definitely not there, untouchable, so. but, I mean, the fact he's only got one goal this season, and I don't think you're, you got high value on it. And at least right. I, I would think you get – Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think teams would be more on getting Sprong and the fact that he's still really young and he's got a good offensive upside. And a lot of times teams will overlook the defensive side and possibly kind of overpay just to be able to get someone who might pump a little bit of offense in there. And, and Sprong has shown that, you know, if, at times, but they really don't like his, you know, defensive game they want him to work on it right now at least the ducks do so i i feel like he's probably more of that candidate to move on i think they're kind of over that experiment with them so i figured he's probably a little bit more ready to move in my yeah, opinion, i, I think he still two. has value too um because he is young and he was a you know a high second round pick um had some promise played well in the qmjhl is playing well in the ahl right now uh, I think uh, of any of the players we mentioned, he probably has the highest value and is probably the guy I would I would trade over any of them. I know there's yeah. a lot of people who still want to see I do too, but... play and get another chance. I, I just think, you know, you look at who the Ducks have long-term on right wing, 
there's no point in having a player like Sprong play bottom six minutes. I just yeah. I just don't see the, the value in that, especially right now with the Ducks. Unless he can rolling. prove himself as a solid third line guy. If he Maybe. if he's a solid third, then then I'm on board. But he But right now you've comes got with... Silverberg, Cash and Terry, right? Like do you want Sprong playing over one of those guys long term? You know what I mean? Like next, you know, right now, maybe you could argue Sprong should be in there over Troy Terry, just the way Troy Terry's playing. But in two, three years, no. And will you even have Sprong? Will you have lost Sprong for nothing at that point because you didn't re-sign him or his value's gone down? I think his value's as high as it's going to get right now. It's probably higher last year. But I think if if you're not, if he's not in your long-term plans, get something for him before you lose him for nothing. Well, how long is Kasha going to stay around? Yeah, health and, and that's yeah. Well, yeah, health wise and uh, potential bigger trade piece, right? We talked. You, yeah. you mentioned that in the last show, and if the Ducks end up going big and, and trying to make a swing for something, uh, Andre Kasha still might be the guy that uh, that ends up moving out for that because he was involved in trade discussions for for Justin Falk, right? So mm-hmm. he uh, is definitely interested in him despite the the injury issues. So. Uh, if if Andre Kasha goes, then maybe Sprong sticks around to get called up and play top six minutes, and it would be uh, Silverberg, Sprong, and Terry, right? So there there is that uh, possibility that we see uh, a bigger move uh, on that end if if Sprong is going to stick around. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I the feeling I get is that they're they're no longer high on Sprong, and uh, it doesn't seem like he's he's got what they want or what they hoped out of him. And so I think that, you know, they have him here until maybe the the right move happens. So I'm, I'm more on that. They probably move Sprong, even though I, I'd like to see him get a shot, but even if they do, I just, I, he doesn't strike me as a third line guy yet. He's just not, not consistent enough. Maybe that changes, but that's how I feel. Okay. <laughs> uh, apparition. I uh, w- was wondering in the chat. He said, "Hasn't Sprong struggled in the AHL this year?" I wouldn't say he struggled. He has 15 points in 19 games. That's not lighting the world on fire, but that's not struggling uh, in the AHL. I think you know, on the goals, that's relatively good. And when he was goals little... struggled a little earlier too. Yeah, if you can score around a game. point per game in the AHL, that's pretty good. That, that's yeah. not bad at all. And I think when, when Sprong was with Wilkes-Barre uh, two seasons ago, he had 65 points in 65 games. So a little bit below that pace right now. But that that's still valuable for some teams to see that a guy's putting up close to a point per game in the AHL and a, a guy who, what, Sprong's 23, I think. Yeah. So there is still some value there in, in terms of being a young player who was once you know, supposed to be a, a pretty valuable player in this league in terms of a guy who could potentially move into a top six. There, there's still teams that are going to want that. Plus, he has no attitude issues. Like Joshua yeah. was saying as a guy, I think this is directly comparable with uh, in terms of production in the AHL, struggling in the NHL, but Hosang has attitude issues, and that's well known. So I think the value on him is low. But I, I think there, there would be suitors for, for Daniel Sprong. You know, he's a... Uh, a very good shooter, a pure goal scorer, you know, has mm-hmm. some issues in other areas that he he needs to work on. But teams are always looking for that buy low, uh, you know, high risk, high reward type option where they can kind of go out and, and if they have to pay a third round pick, but he could pay off and, and score twenty goals for you. So there, there's always teams yeah. looking for that type of guy. Yeah, they're they're always looking. Every NHL team is looking for goals. Uh, you know, the the Ducks. I think are, are happy with what they have and what they're developing currently. And they're not willing to put him in over anybody else and be, have, have him be more of a defensive liability where other teams are like, Hey, 
if he nets us some goals, especially like get him at the trade deadline or something like that, we think we can plug him in and give him, you know, third line or maybe second power play line, you know, minutes and see if, you know, there's a shot in the arm that kind of helps out and he gets reinvigorated because he's playing the NHL again. Uh, you know, there's there's value there. But, yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, Operation says uh, if some team really wanted Sprong, they would have just claimed him off waivers for free. I, I kind of get where you're coming from there. I think the timing of when Sprong was placed on waivers at the beginning of the season when teams were already dealing with their own roster, trying to finalize their, their roster and sending guys down, nobody ever really gets claimed at that oh. time of year because teams are trying to finalize their own rosters. If they take on a player, then they have to send somebody down. And they're trying not to do that as it begins with. Um, and, yeah. and I don't think Sprong was valuable enough that teams were saying, I want to put myself in that position where I go over the roster limit and I have to like completely, you know, I have to make another move to try and get, you know, trade a guy out to, to be uh, yeah. at the roster limit. So I think that's There's, maybe yeah. why he wasn't clear. I think if he, you put him on waivers now, at this point in the season with injuries and everything involved, he I think he'd be picked. claimed. I think he'd yeah. be claimed. Even even if he you know he was producing at the you know not a great level in the NHL, but he had these numbers in the AHL. Like if you called him up today and sent him down, and you know whenever he was uh, had to go through waivers again, I think he'd be claimed. Maybe that's why they haven't really tried to bring him up this season because they know if uh, you know he can't can't hold the fort here, they probably lose him for nothing. So, yeah. all the more reason I think he's probably more tradable at this point. I would yeah. think. Yeah, I, I think I think some team would be interested in whether the Ducks want to move him or not. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. But uh, uh, Dave says, Ducks needs goals. Is one player in Sprong going to really affect the Team D uh, in terms of Sprong just not being a great player defensively to, to bring him up and get just get goals and, and kind of take that hit uh, uh, in your own zone? I don't think he's really going to affect the Team D individually. Um, I don't think he's going to affect the team enough on the offensive side either. So I don't think bringing him in all of a sudden he's going to be a you know a goal scorer that you know just like I said shot in the arm that that works. I mean there's always that chance, but it's a gamble. And if it's not paying off now, he's he's up. Yeah, and I he, think he has to go through waivers, like you said. I yeah. think he, to call him up right now, I, I might be wrong, but I believe he has to go through waivers to call him up right now. So you risk losing him at that point for nothing if if a team claims him, which I honestly think with some of the injuries teams have right now and and teams looking for goal scoring. Yeah. Somebody will tell me Detroit. Detroit won't try and take him. Was just claimed off waivers. Nick Shore. The Leafs sent down Nick Shore and he got claimed off waivers by the Winnipeg Jets. You're you're telling me the Winnipeg Jets aren't going to claim Daniel Sprong? I'm sure the Winnipeg Jets are claiming everybody. Like they will claim Daniel Sprong if no other team claims him. Somebody will take him if you can't get through waivers. uh, Well, speaking of Dave, I hope he waves me because I'm sure I can play in Winnipeg now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm going pro. To, people, you just seem to be put on waivers right now. I mean, you're yeah. better than Lucas. Beach. You know, what? how do I just sign up to be on waivers? I just want to be on waivers. Yeah, <laughs> Winnipeg yeah, will take me. You gotta, you gotta have I don't know. Interested. Why don't? Why not just go direct to the source? I mean, apparently, Brett. Yeah, lives yeah I'll, in just, I'll just go run right up to, to the Winnipeg Arena, so knock on the door, say, so "I'm on waivers." You got waivers. a place to stay? Oh yeah, yeah. To be like, hey, yeah, I, I can stay with Brett. You guys don't have to hook me up at the hotel. Yeah. I heard, great. Were, I heard you guys were looking for players. You know, I can be a third-string goalie, emergency yeah. backup goalie. Just pay me a thousand bucks a night, even if I'm not playing. And there you go. Five hundred. Just give me free gear. Yeah, forty-one thousand dollars a year. <laughs> it's Canadian though, so. Oh, that's, uh, that's why. I said, that's why I said a thousand, because then at least you're, yeah. making, you're making eighty-two thousand Canadian, and it's not too bad. Yeah. Uh. All right, uh, last thing we have to get to uh, before we move into a couple NHL topics. A uh, quick preview of the upcoming games. Ducks play the Kings tomorrow. 
the lowly Western Conference basement team, the LA Kings. Ah, they're on a one-game winning streak. Don't you dare. Actually, are that. they winning? Yeah, are they Western Conference basement, or is Chicago worse than them right yeah, now? Yeah, they are. They are no, no. I think they're uh, they're twenty six <laughs> points, and I think Chicago's thirty. I want to say, yeah, I, I, and then we're thirty two. So. <laughs> yeah. so it's close. Something like a thirty one or something like that. I don't know. Um, how do you think? Well, we beat the LA Kings last time we played them four two, right? So this game is yeah. this game in LA or in Anaheim? It's in Anaheim. We're home for Anaheim and home against uh, the Rangers. Uh, yeah, I think we win this one. For Anaheim with yeah. quotation marks because there's it's going to be about 50-50 at Honda Center. Yeah, well, it depends how many. And, uh, yeah, depends how many people show up. But um, yeah, no, I, I I think this is another win for us. The Kings are are still struggling, um, and you know they they didn't really look all that great when we played them. We didn't look you know extremely awesome either. But I feel uh, like I said uh, we we played against the Washington Capitals, a good team. Uh, we only lost three to two in that one. Then we play uh, Winnipeg, lose three to two in that one. Winnipeg's playing good. Minnesota's playing good. We win that one three two. So I mean, even the games we are losing, we're not losing by much. We don't really look out of the games. So um, us coming back, it was a really long road trip. So I think uh, I think we're in a good spot. They might be feeling high because they beat up on the Rangers. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I just I feel the Ducks have more firepower and uh, a little bit more consistency in net, and uh, the Kings kind of struggled to put up goals too. Their goal differentials uh, was that minus twenty twenty one or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's not great. I mean, they're they're no. not playing great hockey right now. Twenty uh, ninth in goals per game, twenty fifth in goals against average, power play and penalty killer both thirtieth in the league. So it's another yeah. another tough year for the Kings. They did just beat the Rangers three one, and that's who the Ducks are going to be playing on Saturday. And I wish mm-hmm. Pat was here because I could give you an update on our bet. The Rangers uh, are now ten points clear of the New Jersey uh-oh. Devils. The Devils have lost five in a row. Pat's so, gonna stop making bets. Yeah, he or he's gonna start so, making bets with me. He was so confident. So confident. New Jersey Devils. I would. I. You were on his I, side. I wasn't. Or I wasn't not, as not confident. Fully. I yeah. wasn't as confident as he was. But after everything the 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 Devils did uh, and who they got and what they got, I was just like. I mean, I, I thought it'd be pretty close, but I just thought the Devils were like they're they're exactly. younger, up and coming, and I wasn't quite sure how the Rangers were going to do goaltending wise. Lo and behold, uh, Gorgiev uh, is is playing out of his mind. Lundqvist is looking good too, and New Jersey can't find a goalie to actually stop a puck. So it's uh, that's yeah, the other place I should go. Side not too, he said. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was, uh, I did not waver. I was a hundred percent certain. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm not even bullshitting right. now. I was 100% certain the Rangers were going to finish. We can go back, and I'll pull the audit from this. I was dead set the Rangers were going to be a better team yeah. than the Devils. Oh, you were and, happy to take that bet, I remember. And it's just, I mean, the goaltending for, uh, yeah, Pat Pat brought that bet about, but the goaltending for New Jersey has been what we ex- what kind of expected. It's been awful. Uh, but anyway, we're talking about the Rangers. Bad. I really didn't think it would be this bad. I mean, they're, they're, they're like, all right, we, we got to get rid of Schneider. We got to bring in Louis Domingue. We're not, he's, he's not doing anything. Blackwood, I thought, you know, for a time last year, he looked pretty decent. This year, no. Bring in Subban, you bring in Hughes, Taylor Hall's healthy. Nothing they brought in has, has really helped, right? Like, Gusev was supposed to be Panarin. Uh, Wade Simmons. And that I mean, didn't work. Wayne Simmons hasn't worked. Subban has been really bad. Jack Hughes has yeah. not come and lit the world on fire. I mean, the, the, the Rangers were 
kind of the one, you know, the, if the Devils were 1A and having the best offseason, the Rangers were 1B because they brought in Panarin and Truba and they brought in Capo Caco. And, like, all of a sudden, like, as much as everything didn't work out for for the, the Devils, it's all working out for for the Rangers. I mean, Truba's got 17 points in, in, in 30 <laughs> games. He's playing really well lately. Panarin has 37 Plus, they just signed that games. pitcher. Yeah, plus uh, Garrett Cole is is going to be playing for the New York Rangers yeah, yeah, yeah. until the the Yankees season starts. But yeah, yeah and even Capocacco has is played pretty well, and then like the Rangers just got like guys out of nowhere just having really good years. Like Tony D'Angelo has twenty one points this year for a defenseman, and Ryan Strom has twenty six points in thirty games. So like, you know, Zibanejad the way Zibanejad started the season was like. I forget he was like way out in front of everybody. He had like eight points in, in two games or something. Did he get injured or something? And now, yeah, he's been injured. I think he's just getting back. But the Rangers have just been winning games kind of without him, and then getting good goaltending. So I think out of the two matches this this upcoming week, I think the Rangers one is gonna be uh, is gonna be the tough one. Is that is that one in Honda Center? Is that one? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's Honda Center. Center. I think it's a one one p.m. Saturday game. So right. So that means might be their saving grace there. But the Rangers are uh, they have some weapons. I mean, they definitely have some. Yeah, weapons well, that can well they couldn't beat the king so yeah yeah so the, that that's the way the rangers have been this year is it's they've <laughs> yeah. got those weapons that can hurt you but then there's games like that where they just like don't look good against the kings i think these are two winnable games for the ducks for sure. i just i think that rangers game is is going to be a, a bit tougher it might be a goaltending duel depending who the ducks face whether it's lundquist or or Gorgiev. but uh yeah the, the kings one has to be uh it has to be a must-win in terms of not wanting to fall further in the basement <laughs> of the Western yeah. Conference. I mean, if you lose that game, uh, the Kings gain two points out of you, and you're, you're only two points out of out of the bottom of the Western Conference instead of giving yourself a, a four-point cushion on the other end. So that's that's got to be a must-win at this point. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, once again, with Josh Manson coming back in um, defensively, I think we'll, we'll get a lot better and. Uh, the, these are, are more bottom teams than the last three teams we've played, so I, I feel uh, we can build off of that win in uh, Minnesota and how decent enough we played against the other teams without Josh Manson. So I, I'm I'm more confident on these two games. I think it'll be fun to watch either way. I think. Yeah, we're we're bringing it back because we haven't had it in the last show. Pat like kiboshed this whole thing. The shootout mm-hmm. brought to you by Cool Hockey is back uh, because we're bringing it back. I- why did kibosh it? I don't know. I don't really know. We just I'm just gonna blame Pat because Okay, sounds fair. Right I'm on board. I can blame him. So <laughs> Defend yourself. Anyway, oh. the it's back. The shootout is back. We're gonna talk some NHL stuff. I think it was because we have like Patreon shows that do NHL stuff, so it makes sense. But yeah. uh, there are some sort of ducks related news. Uh, I guess Pacific yeah. Division California team related news. Uh, first thing is who would have thought this? Three worst teams in the Pacific Division this year are the California teams. Mm. A- L.A. is the worst, Anaheim's second worst, and San Jose, that's the big surprise, is the third worst team in the conference. And because of that, they fired their coach today. Peter DeBoer yeah. is no longer head coach of the San Jose Sharks, and they completely – I've never seen this. They completely revamped their entire coaching staff middle of the yeah. season, not just, not just head coach. They brought in the interim coach, and then they have two new assistant coaches, and then the goalie coach. They give Gany Dubakov as their new goalie yep. coach. So they just they got rid of everybody, and they had to make it clear that this was because they were losing. This was not. I know it's a new NHL. This was we're losing, and we're firing the coach because we're bad. 
Yeah, he, he didn't smack anyone and use any foul language or unacceptable behavior. It was just he sucks, and we have to we we have to tell you he's just uh, he's he's not where we wanted to be right now. That's that's the NHL uh, um, climate right now. So yeah, um, you know they they started horrible, and you thought maybe they were going to be you know in the hot seat anyways, and then they really turned it around, uh, started climbing back up. You know their standings a little bit, and now I think they've lost five straight, uh, and they've had just uh, horrible games. And that roller coaster is is not something you want to see um, if you're a GM watching a team as talented as San Jose is. And so um, the team isn't when a team isn't playing with a whole lot of um, fire, or you know that just that that swagger that they should probably have. It just seems like every game is a struggle, is a battle. Even when they're winning, you just didn't—I don't know—just didn't quite feel like it was the the same San Jose team. So something had had to change, and they 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 cleared house and was like, "Hey, we're getting a fresh start." And you know, so there's literally no excuses for the players at this point. Um, they're talented enough; they they should be able to do it. So hopefully, it's a a, a move in the right direction um, from their perspective, not from mine or any Anaheim fan perspective. So are you, are you taking a shower at the same time as, uh, as recording here? <laughs> no, uh, unfortunately this is running a little long, so <laughs> it is what it is. So we got water running, but that's about it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? We'll, uh, we'll drop it here then. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll pick up on some of the stuff, uh, on, on our next show. We'll be back on Sunday with uh, mm-hmm. hopefully Pat, hopefully the three of us will be back and we'll be talking about the, the games against the Kings and the Rangers. And uh, we're also going to be talking about the World Cup of Hockey a bit because that was something we had slated for today. No World Cup of Hockey in 2021, maybe 2024, maybe 2028. And I want to talk about how bad the Detroit Red Wings are. So <laughs> that, will be, uh, that will be some of our stuff uh, coming up on Sunday. Stay tuned uh, on social media for any updates mm-hmm. uh, for when we're going to go live. We'll, we'll try better to promote it than we did with this show. It's kind of a last-minute <laughs> thing. That, that's uh, that's kind we of we got lives, me. people. It's a little bit more difficult than it was last season, but <laughs> yeah. we're doing it. But uh, yeah, so we're we're, we're going to try and be uh, definitely better about that. And uh, we do have some Patreon shows coming up uh, coming up soon. I think we have we done pucks and brews for December yet, or no? Ooh, no, Actually, we've, we've kind of missed a few of our Patreon. Sh- we haven't yeah. missed; they just haven't happened yet. So yeah, we got uh, a few. Dave said, "You have Patreon shows. shows with a question mark," and Shane said, "There's no fucking Patreon shows." So <laughs> there are. Okay, calm down. There are Patreon. They are shows. happening. They it are is, happening. It's December. <laughs> we have been consistently giving Patreon the 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 shows we have guaranteed you have come out at some point in the month. Maybe they don't all come out to the end of the month. But they've been there. So we will have Pucks and Brews for December. We will mm-hmm. have a rant show for December. Uh, the one thing we do owe you guys is another game show. So we owe you a game show for November and a game show for December. Uh, but all of those shows at some point will be out in December for our Patreon members. So stay tuned for that. And, uh, yeah, that's it for me. I uh, will talk to you guys on uh, Sunday. All right. Bye, guys.